I want to start this morning my conversation with you with some words of encouragement. What a week, huh? I want to encourage you to stay well and to be safe as you recover from this windstorm that's come. And so the brief word from your pastor about that is this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. These are the opening words of Psalm 46, words that I love. These words have often brought me comfort in my life uh, when times seemed hectic, chaotic, somewhere out of control. Now, let's be honest. Let's be honest, because that's what we do at Marion Methodist. Right now, some of you are okay. You, you've told me you're okay. You're handling it. This whole windstorm thing is just another blip on the radar screen, radar screen of our lives. And for that, I say, thank God, praise the Lord that that's your situation. And I also remind you that many are struggling with a COVID-shaped world, now compounded with great property damage by the devastation of some of our memories and the loss of our forestry, of course, by a type of storm that I cannot even pronounce the name of because it's come so infrequently in my life. But it certainly came with great force, and it will impact us for many months, maybe even years to come. So for those of you who are okay, that this is just a blip in your, in your life, let your calm pour down on others. And, and don't, don't dismiss the struggle of those that are fighting hard to keep it together right now. Let's be honest. We're always honest at Marian Methodist. For some of you, this feels like the last straw. You've simply had enough. And everything about life over this last year now feels hectic and chaotic, out of control. There was COVID that just kind of slaughtered everything in the spring and the summer, and now this. And for you, this is real. Don't discount what you're in the midst of. It's always true, and it just simply is. It's always true that someone somewhere has it worse than us. Don't discount that. Don't, don't discount that this really affects you deeply. Don't, don't be saying, oh, just, well, I know somebody has it worse than you. Of course, of course they do. But, but this really affects us, it really affects you. Don't discount that. And don't rationalize it by saying, well, every problem I have right now is a first world problem. The truth is, they are your problems. And they affect your living and your well-being spiritually, emotionally, and then physically. So don't pummel yourself with guilt using some of those kind of phrases. If your depression is rising like that dark wind that blew in from the West, if your anxiety is winding up, if your stress level is beginning to manifest itself in ways that are unhealthy or ways that you're not proud of, please don't pour guilt on yourself. Do not discount what we are in the midst of. And hear these words. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. God is not absent. He has not gone on vacation. He didn't skip out of town because the wind blew too hard. God is present right now for you. God is and can be your calming factor, our calming factor. So take a breath and hear one of the last lines of that song that goes, Be still and know that I am God. God is and can be our calming factor 
COVID will still impact every single thing that we're planning to do this late summer and this fall. Everything we're involved in is affected by COVID. The trees are still going to be down in our parking and some of them hanging over the lines in our backyard and some of them have smashed our decks and things. Our roof still might be without the right number of shingles. I know that mine is and our insurance company may still not have arrived for some time to come. But God is our refuge and strength present in this and every single other time of trouble. And God is God. We need no other. So be encouraged. You are beloved. And this is real. And it affects us all. In the Acts of the Apostle, this morning's scripture records a time where the apostles were under great duress. The scripture is, I think, fitting, and it may be perfect counsel for those of us we're dealing with COVID and the cleanup from a massive storm. So since I'm alone, I don't have an intern to read this. I have to go to the goggles here in the basement of the Carnegie. But this is the word of God for us today. Acts 4, 23 and some verses that follow. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. May God add his blessing to that reading of the scripture. May we pray. God, on this very odd weekend where so many of us have had great devastation to our properties, our homes, we take a minute and we do thank you that the lives of those that we love are safe, that our community still has health, and we can push back against this in every time. Lord, in these moments of duress, give us the strength to lay strongly on you. In your name, I pray. Amen. So, simple and to the point. When the egg hits the fan, the disciples prayed. They prayed the specific problem. And that's what we're to do, too. We're to pray the specific problem. Pray to the Lord for the eradication of COVID. I do all the time. Pray to God specifically with laser beam focus for the calming of your spirit and the health of your family. Learn from the apostles to pray with, with, with just laser beam focus on the problem that's before them, before you. The apostles prayed that God would help them deal with the problems before them. This is one of the most interesting parts of this scripture. It's useful to see that the disciples did not pray for the end of persecution or for easy times to start. They prayed that God would help them deal with what was coming to them. That's important to me because I can't unpray the storm that just happened, but I can pray 
for help in the midst of the cleanup and that you'll be safe and that we'll be sound. I, I can pray that COVID will be lessened, but I can't undo it. It's already here. The disciples prayed that God would help them deal with the problems that they were facing. You know, the interesting thing about this is that God has the power to remove the problem, to take it away. And sometimes he does. But more often than not, God chooses to leave the problem in place and give those who love him the strength to deal with it. So today, I'm just going to walk you through quickly because uh, I know just one person on a video uh, can grow tiring after a few moments' time. So today, I'm just going to walk to you through some foundations of prayer from my perspective from the apostles' example. First, they trust God. Friday morning, we received in our mailbox at home, and we think everybody in the neighborhood got this little message that said in handwritten cursive style, God says, give me your weakness, and I'll give you my strength. You give me your weakness, and I'll give you my strength. David wrote a very similar line in Psalm 37. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. We need trust God. I remember the story of a house that was burning and there was a little boy perched in the dark. It was a nighttime fire and, and he was in the window and the firefighter, a big strong firefighter was down below with his hands like this and he was screaming to this little boy who was six or seven years old. He says, jump, jump, I'll catch you. And the little boy says, I can't see you. And he says, but, and the firefighter says, but I can see you, trust me, just jump and I'll catch you. Now, of course, the Lord is not a firefighter. But he does fight a lot of fires in our lives, at least in my life, he does. And if you trust God and simply jump, he will catch you. The second foundation for prayer that I see in the disciples' example is that we need to have a right relationship with God. Every one of us at one time or another in our lives have thought or said, I need to get right with God. And the scriptures tell us, you initiate that. You make sure you get right with God. John the Apostle writes, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That, of course, means to get right with God. We start with confessing our sins. We tell the truth, the truth that God already knows about us, and we receive the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit that makes our soul without any dark blot. And then we repent, which means, see, confession and repentance are not the same thing. You confess, which is telling of your sins, and then you repent, which means truly making the changes that you need to make. And then, like we've seen, you hold on to God. You hold on to God no matter what comes. You hold on with everything you have and everything that he gives you. You see, John 15 says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I was blessed on uh, Tuesday, I think it was. Hard to remember. This has all been one big day, hasn't it, folks? On Tuesday, I think it was, I, I received the neighborhood crew that was taking apart our downed trees. And as we piled up, pile upon pile of long branches that were now disconnected from the trunk, what we all knew is there's no life on them. And when I drove to church this morning, I realized all those leaves that were green just a few days ago were all dead. There's no life in them apart from the branch, apart from the trunk. And of course, the image for us is 
We can't get separated from God. We hold on to God with all that we have, regardless of the storm, because his hand is holding ours tightly. He will never let go, but of course we can. But so our, one of our foundations of prayer is to hold on. And the third foundation of prayer is to have right motives. When we go to the Lord, we need to make sure our motives are right for praying with him. I know Mike has lots of good ideas. I go to the Lord with a lot of Mike's good ideas and I pray. And, and I'll tell you what, I have plans that I need to execute. And I think that the Lord is hilariously laughing at the plan I had for this week. I have this great list of things to do this week. But guess what? My will was not done. The Lord, the master, has a plan. And our right motives are to align our prayers with his plan. Jesus teaches his disciples to say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Which is in, you know, our terms today, saying, God, glory to you. Your plan, your magnificent, unknown, and often unexplained plan will be my motives. I will put the motives of my life around it. And the fourth foundation for prayer that the disciples clearly have as they pray in the fourth chapter of Acts is pray your unpolished ask. I've had so many people saying, Pastor Mike, I don't know how to ask in prayer. I don't know how to ask God for what I need. And I say, just ask. You, you don't have to polish it up. Just ask. Look what Jesus tells his disciples. In Matthew 6, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, so he already knows your ask, will reward you. You see, God knows you. God knows me. And as difficult as that is for us, it's also wonderful. Because, see, when we have something we need to ask God for, he doesn't need a performance. He just needs our honest, unpolished request. So don't try to polish up your ask of God. Just request. And fifth, the fifth foundation of prayer that you find the apostles of Jesus Christ sharing and showing us is perseverance. You must persevere in prayer. You can't give up. It reminds me, and I apologize, musicians, for butchering this name. Reminds me of a story that I heard years ago about Ignace Paderowski. Paderowski was a concert pianist, very famous, and he was in Carnegie Hall in New York City to play this concert. And there was a little boy, he was about six years old, and he was brought with his mother to hear the master play his concert. But the mothers and fathers were talking to each other, and this little boy with his tuxedo, his little kid tuxedo, was there, and he kept staring at that beautiful Steinway piano that graced the middle of the stage at Carnegie Hall. And finally, his desire and love for music, I mean, after all, he'd had seven piano lessons, was too much for him. So he slipped up away from his mother, down the row, up the stage, and sat at the piano. And he began to play chopsticks on the piano that was there for the master to play. Chopsticks. The people in Carnegie Hall started to murmur, and they said, get that kid off the stage. They started to boo him. But in the background, in the green room behind the stage, the master, Paderewski, heard what was going on. And the little boy kept playing chopsticks. Da, 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 da. And he thought he was having a great time. But Paderewski came and 
threw his long coat behind him and reached his arms behind the boy. And as the crowd went silent, Paderowski started turning what the little boy was playing into a masterpiece. And to the little boy, he said, don't stop playing. Don't stop playing. Because you see, the master could make a masterpiece out of our paltry efforts. So persevere, friends, in prayer. Don't stop praying. You, you, th- you might think you're mangling it. You might think you don't have words that are as, as, as magical as, as the prayers that Simon preached. You might not think that your, your prayers are intense or they have the depth of the richness that, that Kelsey prays with. You, you may think that you should pray like a, a, a bishop or you shouldn't pray at all. But let me tell you this. Our great God is creating a masterpiece out of your prayers. So whatever you do, don't stop. I love this quote from R.A. Torrey who wrote, pray for great things, expect great things, work for great things, but above all, pray. Since I don't have slides, let me roll that by you again. Pray for great things, expect great things, work for great things, but above all, pray. After they pray, the building shakes for the disciple. And the believers know that God has heard their prayers and is pleased with them. They feel literally the instilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you this, because I've prayed a lot of times in my life. The building that you're in might not shake, but know this. If you pray completely trusting in God, seeking to be in right relationship with God, with motives that align with God's loving personality, that are authentically from your heart, not from a book, a coffee coffee cup, or some preacher's lips, and you're willing to pray with perseverance, know this. God hears your prayers, is pleased with them, and shall help you grapple with everything that's before you in life. Whether it's a family problem, whether it's your emotions, whether it's your spiritual health, whether it's something that we'd never heard of called COVID-19 or some windstorm that I can't pronounce the name of. But God will help you dwell with every, deal with everything you're grappling with in life and trusting, trust in this word because I know it to be true. Praying with power and expectation is part of what we're born to be. So don't stop. Don't stop. As we've met this past month, we've closed our worship services with these words. And I'd ask that you bow your spirit. You might want to look at the screen. I don't know. But I'm going to say to you and for you the prayer known as the covenant prayer in the Wesleyan tradition. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you, praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, a wonderful and holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth Let it also be ratified in heaven. Amen. Dear friends, before you go, I want to thank every single one of you who has gotten on someone else's roof, picked up their leaves, cut with a chainsaw, 
got groceries, whatever you've done to help your friends and neighbors. That's how a Christian shows that they love the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that this is a difficult time. Maybe not the worst time that we've ever been through, but it's stressful, it's hard, it's hot, and we don't have power and all that kind of thing. So understand that God is present for you. He's loving you even now, and he will not ever leave you alone. Because, like I say every Sunday, you are the beloved of God. He's going to love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. So live in that. You're my friends, you're my beloved, and you're God's beloved. Amen. Have a happy Sunday.